Welcome. This is the podcast of the capacity building for European Capitals of Culture project. The project has been initiated by the European Commission and here we will share insights, best practices and know-how from experts in different fields on topics relevant for the design and implementation of European Capitals of Culture. In the framework of the project, InterArts has organized the first academy camp on audience development. Directed to LFCNA's 2021 delivery team and other actors in the cultural and social life of the Greek city. In this episode, we'll hear from Cristina Damilano on the principles of audience development. Good morning, my name is Cristina Damilano and I am the director of ECOM which is an association born in 1995, which mainly deals with uh, research projects, training activities and consultancies in the field of cultural heritage as a whole. As a background, I am an archaeologist and then I specialized in museum studies. And uh, through the years, and thanks to the research activities that I have carried out within ECOM, I have specialized in the role of culture in contemporary society, in lifelong learning activities, and in audience development, which is a strategic priority of the European cultural policies and programs of the last 20 years. I started working on the topic of audience development already 15, 12 years ago, more or less, and I was part of a research group set out by the Commission through an open call to deliver a study on audience development, which was meant to give a conceptual framework of the issue and at the same time some operational guidelines for policymakers and cultural professionals. After that study, after the delivery of that study, I've been involved in many training activities for diverse cultural organizations. And in recent months, I've been part of a team which delivered an audience development capacity building for the European Capital of Culture program. As I said, uh, audience development is a priority for European cultural policy. Therefore, it is perfectly coherent, the idea of having an audience development capacity building within the ECOCS uh, beneficiaries. But why is it a priority and what does it mean? Well, audience development in the European context, and also thanks to the study I was mentioning before, has been defined as a strategic process to create a relationship between culture and namely cultural institutions and contemporary society and the groups which actually compose contemporary society. But what does it mean in practical terms? Before answering this question, I need to, let's say, set up a sort of theoretical framework. Where does the concept of audience development come from? It actually comes from a very long debate and reflection on 
cultural policies, cultural rights, and on this idea of democratization of culture as a quite obsolete paradigm, which has been substituted by a new paradigm, which is the one of cultural democracy. What is the difference between the two? Well, while the democratization of culture is based on Article 27 of the Declaration of Human Rights, which states that each individual has the right to participate in cultural activities, and this article is also at the basis of this idea of cultural democracy, we have to underline that cultural democracy is also very strongly based upon another pillar. And the second pillar is the Faro Convention. The Faro Convention is a document published in 2005 by the Council of Europe, which states a very important shift from the object to the subject. To say it in a few words, the Faro Convention underlines the fact that heritage has a value in itself, but this value is not static. And it is, let's say, enhanced by the perception that the communities have of this value. Therefore, cultural heritage has a value also in terms of its relevance for local communities. So the two principles of this cultural democracy paradigm are the Article 27 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the Faro Convention. Furthermore, this new idea of cultural democracy, which is the basis of audience development, is also strongly rooted in this idea of cultural heritage and cultural in general as an asset, as a strong value, as a strong relevant issue for local communities. So not only as a economic or let's say touristic tool for economic development, but as a tool for empowering local communities. So this is the framework. In this framework, some years ago, the whole idea of access and participation in culture turned into this concept of audience development, meaning a strategic process to create a relationship between culture and cultural institutions and the different groups who live in our contemporary societies. Audience development is quite a complex concept and it is quite difficult to be applied in practical terms because it requires a radical shift, a radical shift in mentality, a radical shift in attitudes and behaviors, especially from the side of policymakers and cultural institutions. And why do I say so? Because audience development, well, an effective action of audience development means taking into account that the most important thing is to put audiences at the center of what cultural institutions and policymakers do and decide, meaning that 
we have to give voice to the communities, to the audiences, to the people we want to have a relationship to, and we need to activate a sort of co-creative paradigm in which their voices have to be heard and have the right to be heard, as well as the duty to be active part in cultural protection, in cultural regeneration, in cultural activities. It's, let's say, quite a change from a vision, which is a top-down vision in which cultural institutions are those who, let's say, know everything about culture and simply pass some messages on to visitors considered as a passive audience to a new idea of co-creation of meanings, which implies giving voice and giving power in terms of interpretations and meanings making also to communities. And that's why it is difficult to be applied because Again, it's quite radical. It means to go beyond the disciplinary areas that in the cultural sector are still very strongly also creating barriers between uh, people and specialists in a way. It means that people working for and in cultural institutions need to go through capacity building processes in order to better understand all these changes, to better understand the new strategies required to make these changes effective. And the other important thing is that audience development normally, normally leads to an organizational change, meaning again that each cultural institution or organization should be ready to change and to activate this shift that I was mentioning before of putting audiences, communities, people at the center of what they do. So for all these reasons, it's quite a complex process. It's a time-consuming process. And it means that there must be the will from the side of cultural institutions of changing something within their own organizations. The capacity building is one of the main strategic features of an audience development process. There are many other issues at stake here. For example, knowledge of visitors and non-visitors, analysis of data, use of digital tools to engage diverse kinds of audiences. But I still believe strongly that capacity building is the first step. And how should this be carried out? Well, first of all, it is essential that the whole organization and not only some members of it, normally, when I say some members of it, I mean that normally cultural institutions have this idea that audience development is a kind of, uh, let's say, training which is needed for educators, mediators, people who are more strictly in contact with audiences, so people from communication, marketing, and PR departments. But this is not the case because capacity building in audience development is essential for the whole organization 
even more essential for directors, curators, for those who are at the head of the pyramid within the organizations. So it, this is the first step. If we do not manage to, let's say, deliver these capacity building activities to the head of the organizations, then the results will be quite limited. Why? Well, because audience development is a strategic process, which must be decided, which must be embraced by those who take decisions. So the first step is to have the decision-making people, the decision-makers, taking part in the capacity-building activity. And the second step is to have not only them, but ideally everybody who works in a cultural organization undertaking a capacity-building process in audience development. So it should be a shared process. Third element, it requires time. So it is a nonsense to have a capacity building on audience development lasting three hours, let's say, because in three hours we can set up the framework, we can discuss the principles, but we are not going anywhere in terms of developing, developing a tailored made capacity building activity. Because this is the other very important thing. Since it is a strategic process, it depends, it is strictly connected to the mission and the vision of each organization, meaning that it has to be tailored made for that organization. Therefore, we as trainers and they as trainees need time to review their mission and vision to get to know each other, to get to know what the best strategic approach for them is. And for us trainers, of course, it takes time to get in depth into an organization and better understand what kind of path they should follow in order to undertake an effective capacity building activity. So, Having the head of the organization, having possibly all the staff working in the organization, having time and having very strongly clear the idea that the process has to be tailored made for that specific organization. There isn't a universal recipe. In the case of ECOC, I think it's strategic to have as part of the capacity building process all the main stakeholders that they are working with. Because normally ECOCs are based on one organization, which is the main actor in delivering the program. But the program is normally built by a vast group of stakeholders which are public or private organizations, which are cultural or social organizations, civil society organizations, very active in the city, which cooperate with the leading organization in delivering the ECOC program. So I think it's very important to have all of them in the same room, walking through the same path in terms of capacity building, 
and having also very clear the roles of these different subjects for us as trainers in order to better understand the situation and the relationship between all these different subjects and for them to understand to what extent they can contribute to this audience development activity within the ECOC. Before working in the latest ECOC training for Elefsina, Capital of Culture, I was involved with some colleagues in some activities for Timisoara, Capital of Culture, and Rijeka, Capital of Culture. The previous two were quite different, while, for example, in Timisoara, it was more a spot activity based on some seminars or on some conferences on the topic, but it was quite limited in time, let's say. And we didn't really have the possibility of going in depth into the process of delivering an audience development strategic plan for the city or understanding how this audience development strategic plan could be improved by a capacity building activity. On the contrary, in Rijeka, with the same working group who actually worked for the Elefsina Capital of Culture, we delivered a capacity building program which was quite long. It lasted one and a half year. We started quite in advance in terms of timetable. So the training started two or three years actually before the actual year of Capital of Culture. And we had the opportunity of working with the organization delivering the ECO program and with all the stakeholders. And the relationship was quite strong and quite deep. So each of the trainers, for example, had a specific relationship with two stakeholders of the ECOC, one which was an institutional a stakeholder, cultural institution, and one which was a civic society member or organization. So it was a very, very interesting process. And I think it was carried out in the ideal way in terms of what I just explained about how a capacity building activity should be managed in terms of audience development. There are many other things needed, like knowledge of the context, so knowledge of the communities who live around a specific organization or who live in an ECOC, if we talk about the ECOCs. The use of place in a clever and innovative way, the use of digital tools as tools which can engage diverse groups in society. The use of partnerships and networks, because if cultural institutions want to be relevant and to be in touch with society, they need to create networks and to partner with other organizations and other institutions within society. So partnership is a crucial element to develop audience development activities. 
But the most important thing is to insist on the need of an organizational change, which means shaping the organization in a different way in order to really put audiences at the center of the activities that are carried out. So capacity building is essential to reach a level of organizational change which allows audience development to take place in an effective way. The main difficulties, I think, lie in the fact that each change, each process of change, generate some resistance. Because change can be difficult, change can be time-consuming, resource-consuming, and change is risky in a way because, well, as we know, every change leads also to some unexpected results. So it is, let's say, a position in which an organization as well as an individual takes a risk and it has to be ready to take the risk and to manage unexpected and possibly also negative results. So that's why there is a resistance. Therefore, my experience is that normally people accept and are very interested in this idea of audience development because they think, okay, this is a way to, let's say, have more visitors, more spectators, more audiences. So they see it at the beginning as a pure marketing and communication tool. When they realize that it is much more than that, that it requires a strategic approach, that it requires change also in terms of sharing power with communities, then they start opposing some sort of resistance to that. And this is where the difficulty lies. You have to be able to overcome this resistance and to, in a way, accompany them. The reward of such a process are immense if one believes in the social value of arts and culture, because basically audience development means conveying a message of relevance to people and conveying a message of all the benefits, cultural, social, personal, that participation in arts and culture can generate for each and one of them. So the reward is actually seeing that these things can happen. And when they happen, I think for everybody who works in a cultural institution, this is really the biggest reward because you can touch, I would say, in a very physical way, the fact that arts and culture are relevant or can be relevant for almost everybody and can really improve the quality of people's lives, of community lives. It's not just a matter of learning something, but the impact of participation in arts and culture are much wider than that. So it's not just a matter of knowledge, of learning, of understanding or, you know, seeing new things. It's a matter of making sense of what's going on in the world around us. That's the ultimate function of culture, I think. 
So for somebody working in the cultural domain, it is absolutely rewarding to see that these things actually can happen and can happen not only for those that we normally call the usual suspects. So those who would anyway go to a museum or visit an archaeological site or go to theater, but this can happen for everybody, for every group in society, also for those who are normally, traditionally not so close to cultural activities. So I think this is the great reward for somebody working in the field. A very important reflection that always occurs to me when I talk about these things, it's the sort of ethical reflection, let's say. When we talk about culture and cultural institutions in Europe, we mainly talk about public-funded institutions, meaning that we are using public resources to preserve, to conserve, of course, and to produce new heritage. And when I say heritage, I mean it in broad sense, tangible, intangible heritage, uh, museums, performing arts, music, whatever. I mean, the vast idea of heritage. And then there is, I think, a very important issue in terms of responsibility. We are using public money, which are taxpayers' money, mainly, and these money should go back to society as something relevant for them. So it's like public schools, it's like hospitals, it's it's like these essential services that are provided, and I, I speak about Europe, obviously, are provided to European citizens as services which are considered essential and which are possible because of taxpayers' money. Well, culture and cultural institutions are exactly the same, but culture and cultural institutions tend to be relevant for a very small part of the population. If we look at the data, Eurostat data about cultural participation, we see that those who participate in culture are still notwithstanding 70 years of European cultural policies addressing the issue of democratization of culture or cultural democracy, they are still, those who participate, belonging to the same group of the usual suspects. They are normally middle-aged people with a medium to high level of education. So we didn't manage to open up cultural participation to the rest of the population. And I think here lies the responsibility of policymakers and of cultural professionals and cultural institutions. Culture cannot be only for a restricted group of people, if not only because of ethical reasons, because again, they are funded with public money. And we know as cultural professionals that culture is relevant for everybody. But in order to, to really, let's say, make this visible, cultural institutions have to change approach sometimes, have to change language, have to engage people in a recreation of meanings, in a new narratives where people, all of them, can find 
relevant and interesting what they are looking at, what they are watching, what they are participating in. I conveyed a sort of political vision, political in the etymological sense of what <laughs> political means, the sense of culture for a society and how audience development is actually a way to achieve this idea of relevance framed into a political and ethical concept. I would like to see more people engaged in cultural activities, but not for the sake of cultural activities in themselves, but because I have seen what cultural participation can bring to people's lives. Uh, some years ago, 12 years ago, namely, 15 actually, I carried out a project in a prison here in Rome. We created a small archaeological museum within the prison of Rebibbia Nuovo Complesso, which is the biggest prison here in Rome. There was a Roman villa underneath the prison, which was excavated, and all the materials were kept into a deposit in the prison. The province of Rome decided to organize a training course for offenders in order to become assistant of archaeological excavations. So we delivered the training course and we set up a small archaeological museum within the prison with a group of 12 offenders who were absolutely far away from any sort of cultural consumption, as you can well imagine. I have seen these people transformed and I don't want to sound rhetoric because I know that then it's very difficult to prove that culture was the engine for this transformation. But actually, I saw the enjoyment, the amazement, the interest that some topics raised in these men who never approached before anything like that. And I saw the light in their eyes when they were talking about what they learned, what they understood, what they appreciated, the satisfaction about what they did when the museum was opened finally in the end after three years of, of difficult work in difficult conditions. That activity changed my life, I think, forever, because in that very moment, I understood that culture is much more than an archaeological piece or an archaeological object or a performance. Culture is how we live. Culture is the meaning we give to the world. So everything related to culture can help people thinking about themselves, thinking about the world we live in, and it leads to other kinds of discussions, to other kinds of conversations. So it's much more than a single activity, a single performance, a single museum. And I think it is a right for every human being to have the chance to engage in something like that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast of the Capacity Building for European Capitals of Culture Project, initiated by the European Commission. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next time for more.